Amen. I, I believe it's God's will, amen, for us to get what we can. Sit on the edge of your seat. You can get something from everybody if you want something. Everybody say amen. I don't matter how bad the food is, you can choke it down. Hey man, I'm going to tell you, you'll leave there not hungry if you'll just pull your feet on the table. Hey man, somebody say amen. Quit. Get off the playground in your mind and get at the table. Old Peter's out there, man, he's got, he, he said, come dine. You could have been dining with me, but you hadn't been. Come dine. That sign coming in the church, come and dine. We come to church, you ought to come and dine. Well, I ain't done nothing to prepare it, Peter didn't either. I, I'm not fit for the meal. Peter wasn't either. You don't know how I've been living all week, preacher. Look at Peter. He done changed his speech so much that when somebody from the outside looked in, they said, well, we thought you was one of them, but ain't none of them talking like you talking that follow him. And they let that girl say, well... Uh, we thought you talked like them, but it's obvious when you went to cussing, you can't be that same crowd. Is everybody okay? I mean, this man ain't fit to be at the meal, and he's going to get to eat fish that never swam in the water. He's going to get to eat fish that never was caught in a net. He's going to get to eat, I bet you that's the best trout fish. Hey, man, red bass, sea snapper, whatever it was, I bet you that was some good eating. Might have been some Holy Ghost grouper. Amen. Uh, but whatever it was, hey man, might have had some calamari for appetizer. I don't know what he had. And I'm going to tell you, it was good eating. But he couldn't eat. He's sitting there thinking, man, I, I want to eat. And I just, uh, but the brethren know I ain't been what I ought to be. And uh, man, uh, uh, you know, I, they've always said, if you ain't what you ought to be, you ain't got no right to eat. They ain't what they need to be neither. There's a doubter in the crowd. There's somebody that denied anything good come out of Nazareth in the crowd. And that one that said he loved him more than anything is in that crowd. Are y'all listening to this preacher? Everybody's got faults, but we still get to dine once in a while. And we're going to come dine whether we get about or not. Amen. And he got sent over there, and, it's, and, and, it's, and he's over counting fish. What be anything I ever seen? Jesus is over there. He's realizes him, throwed his clothes back on, jumped in the water. Now everybody knows you throw clothes on going in the water. That's just gonna make you heavier. He is embarrassed that he didn't have the right clothes on to begin with. Jumps in the water, swim. Looks like he's gonna beat everybody there, and then gets tangled up catching a nest. It's almost like he wanted the Lord to beckon him one more time. Well. Maybe he'll beg me to come sit down. If you've got to be prodded and, and pricked and constantly pro to get you to come dine with Jesus, something wrong with your heart. You over counting fish when you could be eating fish. My God, what you counting fish for? He don't need your sorry fish anyway, but he'll let you bring yours, and he did let Peter bring his. Now, you think, man... Peter's going to do everything right after that. I mean, he did get to preach when the Holy Ghost got on him and 3,000 people got saved. He was the premier preacher of the revival that went on that day of Pentecost. Are y'all? He got to preach and souls got saved. You think, man, he done everything right, but he still had flesh problems. And Paul had to stand him to his face. 
and said, look, you treating Jews different than you, uh, Gentiles different than you are Jews. And as long as the Jews ain't here, you act good to the Gentiles. When the Jews show up, you try to act like you're better and withdraw yourself. Y'all remember that? Paul had to withstand him to his face. Say, preacher, then why are you, why are you teaching on this first? Because after everything was said and done, God let him write two books in the Bible. See, God don't use perfect people. He uses forgiven people. He, he don't, he don't, there ain't no perfect people. Every one of us is flawed. And before God found us, we was a fish out of water, floundering back and forth, trying to find somewhere to swim, and wasn't happy in nothing that we fell off into. We was in from one mud hole to another mud hole, and then God saved us, picked us up, scooped us, put us in the clear waters of his forgiveness, and we've got to swim around and be provided for, and God has blessed us. Hallelujah. And he uses us every once in a while, even though our flesh, and sometimes we treat other people different than we do, and we shouldn't be that way, but we're flesh, and God knows we're flesh and God still might use us to do something that will last an eternity these books are going to be here through eternity woo he used a preacher that got restored to preach and write down these two books and you know what let's skip to the end of 2nd Peter you know what he said in the last verse Peter's dying and Man, he's, he's going to great reward. In verse 17, he says, You therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things, beware lest ye, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. It's as if he said, You better be careful. He wasn't talking about people outside of church. He, he's talking about, he's talking about, yeah, the wicked, but they's wicked in church. I like what Brother Matthew Poole said one time. He said, do you know that word there, abomination? It, one of those things it means is hateful. He said, my God, we got them in church, hateful people. He said, that word means wicked. We got wicked people. He said, look, it don't matter what, what flavor they are. It don't matter where they came from, what background. It don't matter if they're in church or out of church. You just don't let nobody keep you. They're wicked. Don't let them cause you to fall from your own steadfastness. Hey, I, I did it. I fell from my... He's not talking from a point of perfection. He's talking about... He's talking from a point of forgiveness. Church, everybody in here can mess up. Are y'all listening to this preacher? Look what he said in the last thing he... Lord, let's him pin down. He said, if I can tell you one thing that you ought to strive to do. He said, but grow. Don't let them cause you to fall from your steadfast. But you ought to be steadfast in something. What is it, preacher? Verse 18. Growing in grace, growing grace, and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to whom be glory both now forever. Amen. We're going to go back to 1 Peter chapter number 1. But I wanted to say with well, the end of the story, you might be like my wife, likes to end, read the end of a book before she starts reading the beginning. The end of the book is he's trying to encourage us 
through his own failures. You're right, I failed. I've got faults. I fail from my steadfastness. I'm warning you, learn from my mistakes. And don't let anybody, this wicked crowd, these weak, anemic, so-called Christian, that's got to be propped up by somebody's rules and regulations or they ain't nothing. Does everybody say amen? Or, 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 or maybe they got to be around a certain group of people or they can't do right and live right. He said, don't let nobody keep you. Whatever. Maybe it's the wicked out there in the world. But just don't let them cause you to fall from your own steadfastness. In fact, one thing you need to do is grow in grace and knowledge. I got some suits I can't. They, they real big on me. I ain't have but about two I could fit in. And thank God I was able, by the grace of God, to lose a little bit so I can get in some of them old suits. But I got two suits in case anybody thinks here you're going to grow. I'll give them to you. But that's what Peter's saying. The idea, the word picture is God's got a plan for you. He's got a suit of grace and a suit of knowledge that you can't, you're growing in it, but you've got room to grow. There, there's room to grow. Peter's on his, on his deathbed. And Paul, y'all remember, Paul is, is, is going to be beheaded, and he's telling them, bring Mark and, and bring my cloak and, and bring them books, and boy, I want to study. But whatever you do, bring that parchment, bring that Bible. He's, I've got sermons to learn. I've got messages to preach. I've got room to grow, and it don't matter how long you've been serving God. We've got room to grow. Would you say amen? Don't never quit growing. Do y'all know a shark? <laughs> Seth caught one, Jessica caught one. Y'all know a shark? Do you know a shark? If it ever quits growing, it's dead. It grows its whole life. That's why it's white, them biggins, great whites specifically. They just grow and they grow and they grow. When they quit growing, they're floating. I just don't want to float through life like an old dead fish. I want to grow in grace. Are y'all with me? Peter said, hey, we know how his life ends up. He's shouting in glory right now. My wife's mama, her sister's Ruby, she'll be to her reward probably in 24 hours. Bad shape. I mean bad. <laughs> I've got preacher friends whose family has this COVID. Some of them ain't going to make it. I've had preachers die. I mean, some, some folks was healthy. Y'all seen the, the, the awakening to the fact that we're, that we're frail humanity. Doctors still don't know what's going on with Justin. And that young man could have had. They, they're determining from all that they can tell he didn't have a stroke. But wasn't it a sobering thought when you saw that text message and you thought, my God, that boy's young. Because, brother, I don't know how many days we got, but I want to keep growing. I want to grow into the grace and into the knowledge that God has planned for me. See, I'm, I'm convinced that when we stand before God at the judgment seat, we're not going to have, we're not going to, he's not going to be dealing with all that sin. Sin's forgiven, it's dealt with at Calvary. You don't give account what you've done to body, good or bad, absolutely, since you've been saved. 
But, but here, the sin's dealt with. The guilt's dealt with. Here's what I think. The judgment seat's about. We stand before God. We present everything that we've done in the body, whether it be good or bad. Some things are going to be burned up. We've done it with the wrong attitude. We've done it with the wrong... I think there's going to be rewards and positions and places in heaven and how we rule and serve with God during the millennial reign and even after. Uh, but besides all of that, when it's all said and done, I think it's going to be about the potential, the progress that we've made and the potential that we could have reached. Israel only inherited a third of the land promised. And as God's people, we're living below our potential. And that was my burden this morning. Is we're living below our potential. God wants progress. And I don't know if he gets it all the time. We know how his life ends. Let's see, let's see what he says here in this first few verses of 1 Peter in chapter number 1. Look in 1 Peter chapter number 1, verses 1 through 2. Let's read together. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers gathered throughout Pontius and Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. See, I think here he's setting up this book and the Holy Ghost has allowed him to pin down some words to he's establishing our identity. He says, I'm talking to the elect according to the foreknowledge of God through sanctification of the Spirit, obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. You said, preacher, come on. He's talking to those uh, that are strangers scattered throughout Pontius and Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. You say, preacher, he's establishing our identity. Don't let that word elect scare you. A lot of words is from God's point of view, not from, I mean, it's like Spurgeon said, we, we see whosoever will, let them come. Amen. Whosoever will, amen, let them come. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We get inside the door, we see elect before the foundation of the world. Chosen, amen, because on God's, it ain't up to us to do the choosing or the elect. We don't know who he is or who ain't. I know he died for all souls that they might be saved. Everybody say amen. He's not willing that any perish but all come to repentance. He was delivered for our offenses. But look at, listen at this second part. He was raised for our justification. He died for all souls and raised for those who would believe. We are justified freely by His grace. I'm glad everybody. Amen. I'm going to preach the gospel so to see everybody. When we get inside, we'll realize He knew the day I was going to get saved. Man. He chose the moment I was going to get saved. Wow. We just thought we was bumping through time. Oh no, it's God that does the initiating. He he calls you. You just pick the phone up. Say Amen. He's establishing our identity. Think think about this right here: the few, the proud, the Marines. <laughs> Simplify. Jesus is simple for those. Amen. He's always faithful. The few, when I said that word there, the few, the proud, y'all knew I was fixing to say the Marines. Ford, I think they got one, don't get mad, Randy, quality is job one. That's what they're a little saying. I think Chevy, is, for a while there, was, was on the rock. 
Uh, Nike had that saying, just do it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, one of them airline companies, I was trying to think of who they were, might have been Delta, is fly the friendly skies. What I'm saying is all those slogans identifies you with certain things in this world. I believe we can say that when we say we are Christians, there's some things that Peter uses to identify us. We ought to think right automatically. Hey, they, he's talking about us. He's talking about the blood washed crowd. He's talking about the elect crowd, the chosen crowd, the picked out crowd, the born again crowd. He's talking about me. Amen. These sayings that he uses to identify us, I think it's important. Notice what he does in verse 1. He says we are strangers. I like it. He said, I'm talking to strangers. But Dale, you're a stranger. I, I, I know your son knows you. I know you. People in this church know you. A lot of folks know you. Some folks want to tell you all the bad they know about us. Some folks tell you all the good they want to know about us. But whatever they know, truthfully, to this world, we're strangers. You know why we're strangers? Because we're sojourners. We're pilgrims. We're headed somewhere. Amen. Our conversation is not on this earth. It's in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior of the Lord Jesus Christ who's one day going to change his stinking vile body that it might be fashioned like in his glorious body. And it took a great thing to do it. It took glorious grace and a glorious gospel to birth a glorious church. Amen. We're going to get a glorious body. Amen. And enjoy glorious liberty. And that's all King James. Amen. What a glorious thing it is to be saved. Hey, we're strangers. We're pilgrims. We're, we're sojourners. But look at this. I, I love this. We're chosen people. Don't let that word get elect. Notice, according to the foreknowledge of God. Don't miss that. He knowed it. Yeah, you, you, you thought you were getting away. I go preach at them jails and... <coughs> Y'all ain't heard me talk about it lately because Chaplain died. And Chaplain Haynes died. Talked to the um, sheriff over there and talked about coming over there. And I don't know who they're going to get. I don't feel like I can commit. I'm pastoring church. But man, brother, what a ministry. I go over and preach to him. One of them said, I don't even know why I'm here. We're just taking prayer requests. Y'all pray for me. I don't know why I'm here. All I did was ride my four-wheeler when it was snowing on the road. And I thought, ain't nothing else. Ain't all of us done. You just got caught. He said, all I did was ride it on the road. It was snow. I was going up to the gas station. But that ain't why he was there. They did give him a little ticket. Probably would have got out of it. But he didn't even show up to court. He blew the court off. So they sent, issued a warrant for his arrest. He was there for he was there over the weekend. Got him off of the roof. He was doing a roof job. Pulled him off the roof on Friday. He's going to court on Monday. You don't know nothing about Ruffin County Jail, probably, but I'm tell you, it is nasty, stinky. My God, ever my known disease to man smells like it's running around that place. A three in a cell that you couldn't fit maybe in a room the size of this part right here. 
three beds, and man, they pack them in there sometimes on roll-out mats. It's, it's miserable. And on the weekend, they don't let them out. That joker had been in there simmering. Man, it's a hornet. He didn't show up to a four-wheeler ticket. But you know what happened on Monday when I went and preached? He got saved. He stood up after and said, I know why I'm here now. I got saved. God just, he, he even resisted arrest, but he still got caught. He was under conviction. He resisted to the end. And that's why I tell him, I said, look, you, some of y'all have resisted and resisted and resisted. But I'm going to tell you, the Holy Ghost, if he ever starts in your direction, the handcuffs are coming on. You're going to come. He's, gonna, he's not going to drag you. He, he ain't going to try to drag your eye. But you, I tell you what, you're going to be so miserable, you're going to realize all the doors and options are shutting. And Jesus is my only ticket out. Amen. He's going to make you miserable. That's what he did to Hosea. He shut every door uh, to Gomer, Hosea's wife, shut every door on her until he finally said, I'm going to allure her. That's what he does. He allures you with his love. He still loves you and all that mess. See, he chose you. He elect according to the knowledge of God. He knows that day he is going to get saved. Amen. Thank God he's still saving. Peter's identifying us. He's, he's establishing our identity. He said we are traveling people. Would everybody say amen? Strangers. We, we are chosen people. Y'all remember that? Say amen. We are separated people. Look at the last part of verse number two. Or middle part. Through sanctification of the spirit unto the obedience of the blood of Jesus Christ. We're separated unto obedience. Did y'all see that? Th through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience, watch this, and cleanse, a sprinkling of the blood. You know what he separated us to? To obedience and cleansing. Here's, here's what the Bible said. We was talking to this old boy one time. We said on his ordaining council, and I recommend we didn't ordain him because he didn't know how long he was saved. And I've sat on, a, I've been blessed to sit on a whole lot of ordaining councils, and uh, I always ask the same questions. Usually, is that right, Jerry? Put Jerry in the hot water. I even gave him a hint, just cause I, I mean, I didn't want him to feel he was young, and and, and I asked the same question. I said, "What you gonna do with Romans, uh, Hebrews chapter 6? For it's impossible if those who are once enlightened and tasted of the heavenly gift and the good word of God and tasted of the powers of the word to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again to repentance. What are you going to do? Because it looks like they got saved and they backslid on God and they'll never get right and they're going to go to hell. What are you going to do with that? And they do what most y'all do. The verse says, taste this. I've been in revival service where I seen a full-blown lesbian come down to the aisle at the old church and, and cry. She tasted. She got a little bit of taste of that chili. She saw what everybody else was getting in on. She came down here. She went back. She continued in that lifestyle. She's more wickeder now than she's ever been. That girl didn't get saved down there. Oh, she tasted. Uh, but she never got filled. Is everybody Okay. Boy, I'm telling you, thank God for the day I got born again. All you got to do is refer back to Hebrews chapter 5, verse number 9. 
He's the author of eternal salvation unto all them, watch this, watch this, that obey them. Do you obey the Lord? I, I ask Randy all the time. Scott asked him every once in a while. Scott calls me up and said, you need to call Randy. I just got off the phone with him. I asked him if he loved Jesus, and he said he don't know. Get on the phone, preacher. But, but Brother Randy knows what Brother Milby told Joe Arthur. Brother Milby told Joe Arthur, after not saying a word to him, you, gotta, you know how Joe Arthur is. He said, Brother Milby, you love Jesus. He said, I don't know if I do or not. He said, my God, who have I been driving around? And while the time he's getting in church, he helped me get his coat on. He said, well, the Bible says if you love me, keep my commandments. So I don't know if I love him or not. You see, the Bible says he's the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. That's, that's totally different than once saved, always saved mentality. Once saved, always saved mentality carries the idea of I can do my coke, I can smoke my dope, I can drink, I'm still going to go to heaven. No, that's not the right. No, when, when you're saved, eternally saved, that means one time forever and never going to be unsaved again, you want to obey him. And even though I don't obey him, it don't make me happy not to. Is everybody with me? He said, you've been, you've been chosen. You've been picked, picked out, separated unto obedience and cleansing. Boy, ain't you glad God cleaned you up? I think that closes us up with verse number two, the latter part. Notice what he said. Actually, actually, you could, you could say, grace unto you, peace be multiplied, blessed. I know that's in verse 3. It's talking about God. But you, you say this, brother, uh, brother Scott, we're traveling people, we're chosen people, we're separated people. But I'm going to tell you what, we're blessed people. Why, preacher? Well, the latter part of verse 2, I just read it to you. We're blessed with grace, we're blessed with peace, and God wants it to be multiplied. I, I preached this one time down at Mountain View. There's about 300 kids in there. I used to preach down there all the time. Love pre Some of those folks that come to our revival when Brother Tony Hudson is here, a lot of those younger men were kids and got saved when I was there one day. God broke out and like 15 kids got saved. It's amazing. And then I got to go back and see, preach to one of their, their kids and they got saved. It was amazing. A daddy got a teenage boy and a teenage girl. They both got saved that day. And I went back about, I don't know, probably eight, ten years later, got to preach again and their baby got their boy got saved man what a blessing that was we shout her out said my daddy mama talking about you got crazy preacher from North Carolina I'm so glad I got to hear you preach hey man thank I mean God done something miraculous you say preacher what do you say I'm saying we're blessed that their grace was received their peace was enjoyed but it got multiplied through their children amen and he don't just add it he thank God he don't subtract it, but he multiplies it. How many of y'all rather have grace multiplied than added? Boy, I if you don't want yours, send it my way. I thank God for grace. Amen. Thank God for Brother Jared. He's going to close us in a word of prayer. First bell's rung. Jared, you close us.